If you have a Bible, would you please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1? And we are going to talk about principles of personal advance. So this is about you. This is not particularly strategic for the church. This is just for, for you. Hey, should we have a confession moment? Have you ever been in a bank or waiting online or on the phone to an insurance company or in a hotel check-in or I don't know? And, and have you ever said, why is this taking so long? Has that never happened to you? Some of you, even in McDonald's, have said, why is this taking so long? And we're all a bit like that, aren't we? Sometimes we want to move forward, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer than perhaps we first thought. Are you there in Deuteronomy with me? The first chapter, the first eight verses says this. These are the words of Moses that he spoke to all of Israel in the wilderness east of Jordan. That is, let's exactly identify where he is. He is in the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hezeroth, and Dizavhab. So you know where he is now, don't you? In other words, right on the edge of the promised land. And a little side says, it takes 11 days to go from Hureb, which is Mount Sinai, to Kadesh Barea, which is the edge of the promised land where the spies were sent over. It takes 11 days to make that journey by the Mount Seir Road. And then very brutally and bluntly, the Bible says in the very next verse, having pointed out that it was an 11-day journey, the Bible says, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, in the 40th year, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him and concerning them. This was after he defeated King Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon and at Edrai, the defeat of Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. The east of Jordan, in the territory of Moses, Moses began to expound the law, saying, this is retrospectively what Moses said, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, on that mountain, he said, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. I know you hate doing it, but turn to your neighbor and say, you've stayed long enough <laughs> on this mountain. You've stayed long enough at this mountain. See, I'm gonna stop preaching and start meddling. You've stayed long enough in this mountain. Break camp and advance. Turn to your other neighbor and say, break camp and advance. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon. As far as the great river of Euphrates, see, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore to you that he would give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, and to the descendants after them. What an amazing 
encouragement as they stand on the edge of the promised land. Why is it taking so long? Now, when we talk about personal advance, please, one of the uh, tendencies is, is that we all get put on the back foot. That we all kind of send to ourselves, oh, you know, yeah, sure, I, I know there are things that are wrong with my life, but let's not go at it from that on the back foot, insecure place. But rather, when we talk about advance, let's have a couple of perspectives. First of all, we personally develop as Christians from a place of rest, from a place of security, from a place of not striving. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Can we kind of sweep away this kind of sense of advancing from the negative, but actually saying, God, you have done so much in my life, it's time now for me to step forward into more of what you have for me. That it's actually from a secure place. You see, the second perspective is we want to develop so that we can inherit more of what God has for us, not just to progress for the sake of it, but to develop so that we can walk in more of what God is giving us. And when you look at advancing from those perspectives, it takes some of the putting the pressure off from us. You see, we can see from our story that sometimes things take longer than they are supposed to and longer than they are expected. This, this is hard for us to take in our Amazon world where we order something and we want it the next day because we are prime members. <laughs> I'm prime. I'm not one of those ordinary Amazon members. As soon as they get my order, there's somebody who says, He's prime, I'm running with this to the van. The van is going through the traffic and it's getting to that door. We find it kind of hard that things sometimes take longer than they're supposed to. In fact, some things are supposed to take a little while. Now, I am terrible at DIY. In my house, DIY stands for destroy it yourself. (laughs) It really does. But if there's one thing I can do I can wallpaper walls. I'm good at wallpapering. Now, I'm saying this. The proof might be in the pudding, I guess. But um, don't ask me to paint anything. It'll be everywhere. It'll be on the windows. It'll be on the carpet. I am hopeless at painting. But wallpapering is one of those things. You can't rush it. I said to Kathy, this is a work of art, babe. You know, you can't rush it. And, And so... You have to size the walls, you have to paste the walls first, you have to measure it properly, you have to score some things, you have to um, make sure you've got the right batch numbers so that you can match all the wallpaper. There's a great art to wallpapering, but it takes a while. And progress comes slow, but steady and sure. It's a little bit like the Christian life. And I want to talk to you today about how you can personally advance and just give you a few principles on that. We know that they took their time because it was personal disobedience. It was lack of unbelief. But however you get round to it, there comes a moment when 
God almost brings seasons into our life where he's almost urging us forward. And today, as a person, I wonder if you could hear just in the spirit that God's saying, come on, I've got a new and fresh season for you. First of all, in, in this passage, Moses doesn't start off with where they're going. He starts off with the victory that they've already achieved. In Deuteronomy 1 verse 4, he says, after you've defeated this king, Sihon, and this king, Og, you need to understand that if you're going to advance, you have already had an amazing set of victories in your life. Come on, let's just pause for a while and thank God Perhaps not looking where we're supposed to be, but thanking God for where he's brought us from. Amen, church. Sometimes we don't realize how far we have actually come. I know that in my own testimony, that I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I was not interested in Christ, but he came and found me. I didn't find him. He found me. How about you? I wonder if it's time for you to stop almost striving about where you're not and realize how far you have come. Sometimes we, in, uh, we don't realize some of the forces against us trying to stop us to, to overcoming. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul said this to the Galatians in Galatians chapter four from verse eight. He says this, formerly, when you didn't know God, you were slaves to those whom by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather, you are known of God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved all over again? You know, it's really important that we've all grown up with tendencies and we've all got tendencies to either dominate or to be dominated and all that. Don't turn back to those forces again. But begin to say, you know what, Lord? You have won the victory in my life. I want to be free. It's really important that you see that God has brought you to a place where you can advance. He's given you the equipment, He's given you the fabric in your spirituality. And there's going to be somebody here today that says, oh, all this talk of advance, I'm not good enough. But you know what? God has already built the platform in your life from which you can advance from by the finished work of Christ. And by the way that he's pushed back some of the forces that were trying to overcome you. The second thing that's important to understand when we go for a personal advance is that in order to advance, there has to be a little bit of an honesty moment. That actually we need to see that we need to advance. That there needs to be a little bit of an honesty moment. If we don't see that we're circling around the mountain, that's why I had you say earlier, if we don't see that, And we don't have the honesty to say to ourselves, you know what, I have been in the same place for a while. Notice that this story is a retrospective telling, telling that actually Moses is saying, look what God said to us. 
when we were around Sinai. We, it was an amazing place, Sinai, wasn't it? They had the Ten Commandments and there was thunder and lightning and clouds and the voice of the Lord. It was an amazing experience for them. And the Lord said to them, as amazing as this is, you have been round this mountain long enough. Some of you have had amazing experiences. Some of you have, have touched the heavens of God. But you know what? You've squeezed all the juice out of that that there is for now. And it's time to have an honesty moment and say, you know what, Lord, is there something else that I need to receive? We never advance unless we have this honesty moment in all of our lives to say it's time for me to move on. They, at Sinai, they received the Ten Commandments and you've received lots and lots of teaching over time. I wonder whether we could add up how many sermons we've all heard in the room. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I wonder if, you know, you added up with all your friends how many sermons you've all heard over the years. I wonder how many sermons that would be. Jesus put it this way. At the end of his great sermon, on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, therefore, everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who's a wise man who builds his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. It wasn't the fact that everybody hadn't heard the word. The only difference was is who put it into practice. So this week, I wonder if there's one thing, if there's something from your Bible reading, something from today, that you could say, I will advance as I put that one thing into practice. I wonder if we could have an honesty moment that says, you know what? It's been a while since I've actually practiced something. You see, we'll never advance unless we have that honesty moment. Now, before you can really move on, thirdly, you see, the first thing you've got to understand, God's given you the victory so you can move on. The second thing is you, you have to kind of just be a little bit honest with yourself and say, you know what, it is time that I moved on and went deeper into God. But before you can really move on, and really this is kind of the heart of my message, there are some things that you have to uproot out of your life. When Moses said, break camp, what he was saying was, is uproot things and move away from your settled status. It's hard to break camp. It's hard to uproot what we are settled in. I wonder if I could just kind of serve you a little bit with a bit of teaching, uh, like I've been doing my triangles every week. Um, the first thing is, is that in, in unrooting issues, we have to take our uh, key from the book of Hosea. This is what Hosea says. Sow righteousness for yourselves and reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground. If you're reading the King James Version, it says break up your fallow ground, that, that ground that's been left for a while. For it's time to seek the Lord, but not only seek him, seek him until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. So if you want to uproot some things in your life, that are holding you back. First of all, look at this first. Invest in some right actions. Do something that, uh, Hosea says, sow 
righteousness into your life. So righteousness for ourselves. We were traveling with our team back from Malvern yesterday and we were in Starbucks, you know, that place there where God and coffee live. And um, I just kind of got this sense that the lady next to me, just quite an elderly lady, was a little bit troubled. And uh, so I just thought, hey, I just turned to her and said, hey, can I just buy your, your coffee and your whatever you have? I was, gl- I was glad we weren't in a steak restaurant, but, you know, uh, whatever you have, let me, let, me, let me get that for you. And she, she, she was really taken aback that there are people who do that in the world still. I think she would have been less shocked if I'd robbed her purse than if I'd done a little act of generosity. But you know what? As we got talking, I actually discovered she was lost. Literally lost. Her husband and her had been going to a funeral. They were quite upset. And they wanted to go to Bath. And they were on the road to London. Now, in all geography, I just know that London's over there and Bath's over there. And I was able to show them a map and turn them around and get them back on the right road. And they were just kind of blessed. But you know, it, when you just do a righteous act, when you sow righteousness, it, it moves something in your life, begins to break up something in your heart. And if you're going to up, uproot some things, it's maybe time for you to step out and, and get your faith out there a little bit. The second thing is, it's really important to revisit some neglected areas. Hosea says it this way, break up your fallow ground or break up those parts of your life that you have let go. Some things that you used to do that used to do you good. Maybe some relationships that were were good for you that you've not felt the benefit for a while. That you begin to say, you know what, I used to do that. I need to go back there. This usually means when we've stopped doing something that perhaps our schedule has changed or, or maybe we've been injured in some way. You know, uh, you, uh, you can't see this by the way that uh, looking at me, but I used to run much more than I do right now and I'm kind of trying to get back into it. And I, I had this injury and it's taken a while to heal and then my schedule's changed and all of that. And we, we neglect things. Maybe sometimes it's not just about that we just neglected them for a bad reason, but just things in our lives changed. Is it time for you to say, you know what? I'm gonna arrest my schedule and get back into that. Break up your fallow ground. If you want to advance, invest again in those neglected relationships, those neglected areas. And then finally, we need to seek, and it's not seek in the shower, but Hosea says it this way, it's time to seek the Lord until he showers righteousness upon you. That actually we spend time seeking God until there's a noticeable change. I know that many of us pray and uh, uh, that you are prayer people, but I'm just wondering whether the Lord would call you to a personal prayer time where you pray in such a way until you notice the change. 
that you break through for you. You see, this is how you uproot issues. Do something outward. Do something that, that you can put your faith out there or do some kindness or some witnessing or do something that you do where you invest and sow righteousness. Then do something inward where you break up some of the inner things that you have neglected and then do something upward where you seek the Lord until you see that change. Katie, maybe it's time for us personally, there's a personal word to you, break camp. What they meant when they said break camp was is they pulled the tabernacle down. They, they wrapped things up carefully. That they gathered around a standard. That they all marched together. That trumpets blew and clouds moved. It wasn't just a little wandering off and, oh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit more Bible reading. It was an intentional, you know what, I've got to break some things up here so that I can move. I wonder if that little triangle of, of uprooting those issues can help you move forward. And then Moses said, you've circled around this mountain long enough. There was an honesty moment. Then there was this sense of uproot this settled status. But then he said, actually, advance. Step out. He said, advance to the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples. When you track the story through, the advance always causes some opposition and always some resistance. As you advance, there will be challenges and opposition. This week we had our staff uh, refresh retreat and we walked up, well, some people were calling it a mountain, but it's technically a hill. But nevertheless, it was steep enough for the effort. And as you advance, there always be, will be some resistance. And actually, the sign of opposition is actually a sign that you are advancing. That actually, that when things get a little bit resisting and tough, it shows that things are moving. In fact, if you track the story through in Joshua chapter 10, verse 5, when they moved to the uh, hill country of the Amorites, uh, it says this, then five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jamoth, Lachish, and Eglon, they all joined forces. They must have thought, wow, I, I thought this was going to be a great journey, but opposition and resistance often is a sign that we are making progress. All of our hardship in God is eventually designed to produce something in you. That's what he's trying to do. He doesn't just let you have opposition for the sake of it. Opposition uh, for the sake of it is just opposition, but good hardship, it produces something in you. Although I guess we can learn from all opposition. This is how the Hebrew writer to the Hebrews in chapter 12 says it. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined from everyone who undergoes discipline? Then you are not legitimate sons and daughters if you don't undergo discipline. 
Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while as they thought best. But listen to this. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. That he is saying, I, I, I want you to go through this because there's a part of my holy character that I am trying to deposit into you and to share with you. The writer goes on and says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained for it. Listen, some of the things that you are going through, if it's producing nothing, it's just something to move away from. But some of the things you're going through, if God is trying to produce in you a righteousness that you couldn't have had unless you go through it, you won't go around it, you'll go through it. There are levels of discipline. In this passage, it says God disciplines people, he rebukes people, he even chastens people. But he's trying to produce a right standing of living within you. Now, just like us, when we were walking up the hill uh, in Malvern this week, actually we were together and we were cheering each other on. And not everybody got there at the same time, but everybody got there. And it's really important that you understand that as you're going through your struggle, you are not on your own. You can cheer somebody on and somebody will be cheering you on. If you want to personally advance, you have to kind of be able to say to yourself, well, God, you've already done so much in my life. If you want to personally advance, you have to begin to thank God. Well, well, God, you've given me these victories. But if you want to personally advance, there comes an honesty moment where you say, you know what, I, I, I've been around this mountain a while. If you want to personally advance, you have to move away from your settled status. And we can't live in total flux all the time, but we have to begin to break up that, that fallow ground and uproot some issues. If you want to personally advance, when you step out, don't give up at the first sign of resistance. But finally today, let me say this. If you want to advance today, seek everything that God wants you to have. Don't stop at a level. He said this through Moses. He says, see, I, I've given you all this land. Go and take possession of all of it. and Take the land that I swore to your fathers. Don't, don't just stay on the edge. And I'm wondering today whether there are times when we stop short of all what God is trying to invest in our lives. I wonder if you, and I wonder if I sometimes, we've, we've plateaued. I wonder whether it's, it's time for us to press in to that next stage in our lives. Let, let me make it really kind of simple for you, maybe too simple. I, I think there may be some people here today, you might have grown up in a Christian home, you might be a churchgoer, but you've never actually committed your life to Christ. And actually, you're at number one. 
that actually the next step on your personal spiritual journey is for you to say, I accept you, Christ, into my life. You might never grown up in a Christian home, and you might be checking out church, and you might be wondering whether there's more to life than this. Your next step is to simply come to Christ and to say, come into my life, forgive, forgive me. How many in the house have already done that? Let me just see your hand. There's many people who you say, I'm number one. I'm at number one stage. Are you there? Come on, don't worry me. Somebody say amen. We've got some saved people in the house. But you know, maybe you're here today and you've not been water baptized. And you, you've let that, you've, you haven't owned that part of discipleship. And so I want to say, I wonder if you could get to that number two. I wonder if you're okay, you're a number one. You're saved. You're going to heaven. But actually, you have left that neglected in your life. Maybe not at no fault of your own. You may not have been saved that long. You may not have had the opportunity. Or you may have been a Christian a long time. And yet, that number two is left wanting. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment to just acknowledge that. But you know, you may be saying, well, hey, I'm number one, I'm number two, I'm doing great. But I wonder if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, not just 40 years ago, you've, you've said a few words in tongues, and God bless you if you have, and that you use that as a little badge to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Pentecostal way. But I wonder if, when was the last time that you were really baptized in the Holy Spirit again or refilled with the Holy Spirit again? Maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and that would be number three. Maybe you're fine as a number one. Maybe, you, maybe you've settled number two. But maybe you need to say, you know what, I'm not really sure of how strong of a number three I am. One, two, three. Can you receive everything from me, says the Lord? You see, I may have studied the Greek and I may have all that education, but can I make it really simple for you? One, two, where are you? Jesus would say to some people today, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door, I will come in and I will be with him. I will sup with him. He's knocking at the door of your heart and he's saying, I'm offering you eternal life. But you know, I believe that Jesus is knocking at somebody else's door today and saying, your next step in discipleship is to go into water baptism. For many of us who've been water baptized for a long time, we've forgotten how significant that was. Jesus, when he was baptized in water, the heavens opened and the Spirit came upon him. 
Sure, you're saved. But you've neglected an important thing. And it doesn't matter if you've been saved a long time. God still wants you to go through the waters of baptism. But I wonder today whether there's somebody here where you would say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe for the first time or maybe again. You see, it's time for a personal advance. It's time to have all that God is wanting. Don't ever get to the stage in your Christian life when you say, yeah, I've got the, I've got the Holy Spirit. What about now? What about again? What about being refilled again? You see, I believe it's important for us to break up some things in our lives. I believe for me personally that all of us, we need to keep going when it's tough. I believe it's really important though that for me, I want to go to my next stage. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. You see, I've said this phrase and you may misunderstand it, but it's actually spiritual insight into your personal advance. I'm not saying about anybody or anything. I'm saying that it's really important that in your life you honor the past of what God has done, but you serve the future to where he's taking you. I've said that phrase a lot. And it's not about anybody, it's about us and you. It's not a commentary on anything. That you honor the past and serve the future. People often say that they don't mind the future, that they are really into future thinking, but actually what they're actually doing is serving their past. Instead of, and they just honor the future. They give a nodding view and say, sure, I'll have a future if I can get it. It's the wrong way around. We have to honor our past, but we have to serve our future. We honor it when we're, when we're just honoring the future. Instead of serving it, we know that we're honoring the future instead of serving it when all of our decisions are about recreating something that we understand, something that we can get a handle on. And part of that's okay, but actually the Bible calls us to walk in faith, that we walk by faith, not by sight. So there's part of your life that you won't understand. As part of our church journey, we won't understand. It will be a faith walk. So when I use a phrase like that, I'm not commenting on anything. I am simply giving you revelation insight that you must be future facing. Whilst building on the great things that God has invested in you and us together. Together. 